Thanks for joining us today for another episode of Hot Springs Village Inside Out. Today, our guest is Mr. John Barry. John is a Grammy Award winner who will be with the Lifelong Learning Institute on the 16th and will do a great concert there. You'll hear him say, I did Kiss Me in the Car and something else, and I closed with Your Love Amazes Me with just my guitar. The band left the stage and I was doing it. And it place came unglued. And that was the beginning of that song smoking on up the charts. And uh, it was number one record on May 10th of 1994 on R&R. And I had brain surgery that morning. And oh. uh, I don't recommend that, but it's a tough way to get a record, but you know, get a number one, but a guy's so, got to do what a guy's got to do. Yeah, there's that. Um, just my personal advice, I don't know. It may not be worth it, but I tell you what, let me tell you what is worth it. It's worth it to come back and listen to the rest of the show with Mr. John Barry, who's going to be doing a concert February the 16th at the Woodlands at the Lifelong Learning Institute. If you would, please come to hsvticketsales.com. Grab your tickets and come on out with your sweetie for a wonderful night of love, is what they're calling it. And it's going to be a wonderful event. John was a fascinating guest. There are people who sing love songs, and they're good. There are people who live love stories, and that's John and his lovely wife. He'll tell you about their Faith, Family, and Friends podcast, where they interviewed Mr. Charlie Daniels four days before his unfortunate passing. He will tell you myriads of other things, great, great stories. I am literally honored to be able to interview such a guy. But first, we're going to have some fun music on KVRE, Hot Springs Village Inside Out, Radio Edition. You are so beautiful to me. You are so
Hot Springs Village Inside Out, the radio edition with Mr. Joe Cocker. You are so beautiful to me. What a fantastic song, and what a great reminder that it is Valentine's Day next week. And you know, nothing says love like love songs. Nothing. Nothing. We're going to have Mr. John Barry sing for us now his number one hit smash, and he sings it every night when he has a concert to his lovely wife. Hope you get to meet them this week. They'll be on the 16th at the Woodlands. That's John Barry. You can get your tickets at hsvticketsales.com. HSV Ticket Sales, John Barry, A Night of Love. But for now, let's get to that number one Grammy Award winner, shall we?
Mr. John Berry, now residing in Nashville, Tennessee, from the Athens area. I think you're going to love the stories he has to tell. He talks about how he was in the Athens area and playing nightclubs at night and, frankly, doing quite well. But he heard a song on the radio called Ships That Don't Come In by Mr. Joe Diffie. If you know it, you'll know the song, and it's fantastic. One of the best lines in that show that are just incredible is, here's to people who stand on empty shores and spit against the wind, and people who wait forever for ships that don't come in. He said he had tears in his eyes when he came home at 2 a.m. after a show, walked in, turned to his wife and said, there's got to be something better. There's got to be something bigger. We're doing okay. It's good. But it should be better. And I don't want to stand on empty shores and spit against the wind and wait for a ship that doesn't come in. So they made a plan to go to Nashville. Well, I'm getting ahead of myself. Yeah, you need to hear the rest of it. Tell you what, one more song. And then we're going to start with Mr. John Barry. Grammy Award winner. Whenever I see your smiling face, I have to smile myself because I love you. Yes, I do. And when you give me that pretty little pout, it turns me inside out. There's something about you, baby, I don't know Isn't it amazing a man like me can feel this way Tell me how much longer it will grow stronger every day Just another lovely lady sent down to break my heart Isn't it amazing a man like me can feel this way Tell me how much longer it can grow stronger every day
Well, today we're back with Mr. John Berry, who's going to be doing a concert for the Lifelong Learning Institute. That's hsvlli.org. But what you want to do is go buy some tickets to see Mr. John Berry. And John, I don't know if you noticed, I uh, <clears throat> I am correctly adorned today uh, for this is a, a night of love is the name of the concert. Did I, did I wear the right jacket or no? Pretty snazzy there, man. <laughs> Pretty snazzy. I got a Manuel jacket that looks a lot like that, actually. You should have wore yours, this sweatshirt thing. I don't know. Had I had I known. Had you only had known. known. Had you only if known. If I only known that you were going you to spice this thing up and make it shine, I'd, I'd, have, I'd have worn my Manuel. Had I only known, I would have said something to you about it. You know, how about that? I'll tell you what, <laughs> let me ask, what, what are we going to be hearing? Uh, and, and let me pull this up as we're talking here. What, what are we going to be hearing? What kind of songs? And uh, this is right after Valentine's Day, so it's February the 16th. But what are we going to be hearing? Yep. Well, we've got some songs that, you know, that I've done over the years, songs like Your Love Amazes Me and Kiss Me in the Car and She's Taking a Shine, all these songs that talk about how love fixes our hearts and changes us and everything else. Sends us off on wild goose chases and everything else. Seems to do that. A logical linear man or woman will go off the rails just to find love, won't they? Off the rails. And, That's and, what our souls. Yeah, I like that. Tell me about your history. I mean, how did you get started? What I mean, Grammy Award winning. Tell me the story. Well, I started playing guitar when I was a kid, you know, 12 years old. And, uh, somehow just got hooked into it. And, you know, applause is a drug and you get, you get, you want more of it, you know? And, uh, then I started, um, making records. I started recording my dad. He knew how much I loved doing it when I was, uh, 16 years old, I guess, 17 years old, we, we started building a little music room in the basement of my house where my folks lived. And, and when I was 19, we turned it into a little four-channel, four-track recording studio. Did it say Fostex on any of the equipment? No, it was TAC Tascam. Oh, the good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we built a little studio. And I, I recorded my first... I recorded four albums, 10 songs each in that little studio. Really? And uh, I hope you never hear them because they're horrible. <laughs> um, you think that, I'm joking. No, that that's the criticism of history. If, if, if you had never done them before, you'd go, wow, these are great. And at the time, you probably thought they were great. But now you look back I and thought go. They were, I thought they were masterpieces. <laughs> well, I thought they were. The, world, the world would be changed because of them. But I was wrong. They no. weren't masterpieces, and the world wasn't changed. <laughs> but um, but we recorded those four albums there, and then I recorded my next two albums in different studios outside of that. And um, then in 1992, I had done six albums at that point, I think. Let's say four... I said, well, I guess we did. Yeah, I ended up doing six albums independent. And then in 1992, I was with my wife. I was playing clubs in Athens, Georgia. 
and making a great living doing that. And it had, I hadn't really hadn't never thought about getting a record deal. hadn't hadn't been on my radar really. Hmm. I was perfectly happy. I was, by that time, I was playing maybe two nights a week in Athens. Um, we had us a little farm north of town that was paid for. Uh, had a little RV we traveled in and a truck for gear, and we would play Athens on the weekends. Then we'd what we called we we take Athens is our hub, and we take the spokes out to go to Augusta, Georgia, to go go to Alabama or wherever it was. Take the spokes out and always go back to the hub on the weekend, you know. And um, we were doing fine. Now, let, let me ask real and, quick, cause, and, and we're going to get to the great stuff here. I mean, you, this is amazing. But, you know, I heard groups like Kansas and others talk about the exact same thing, that they would they would be in a central location. It wasn't necessarily the world's greatest location, but it was equidistant to a lot of other places. And sure. and you say, I mean, it sounds like you were very, very comfortable at that time. And, I mean, had a, had a farm paid for and. It what you know. A lot of people are looking for fame, glory, money. Want to pick one of those, and and you were. It sounds like you were really comfortable. And and let's face it, making records is not always money, but it can be fame, right? It can be, yeah. Um, it it, it can it can raise your profile and that sort of thing, garner you some attention. And of course, music business is all about attention. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, how much attention can you get from your management company? How much attention can you get from your label, from radio, from the public? It's all well, about attention. You know? Well, let me ask. So you were saying you were making a good living there in, in, in Decatur and areas around that. I mean, is has that changed these days? Is it? Are, are, would you be able to do that, what you're doing today? I mean, would, I'm sorry. Would you be able to do that today? Do the venues pay as well as they used to or no? Oh, I don't know. We, um, I played for the door. Really? That was my, yeah, I played for the door. You must have been bringing them in, though, buddy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And the, and, and the, and the, the restaurant and bar owners love seeing you walk in the door, right? Well, I don't know about that. I don't know if they love seeing me there or they put up with me being there, one or the other. <laughs> they sold lots but, of food and drink. Yeah, man, we had a lot of fun. And uh, But I was driving home late one night, and I don't know, 2 o'clock in the morning. And we lived at our, our farm was about 18 miles out of town. So it was a little bit of a 25-minute you know, drive out. Mm-hmm. And I was driving down the road and listening to the radio, and the DJ came on and said, turn it up. Turn it up. Got a brand new song from Joe Diffie. And he plays ship a song called Ships That Don't Come In. Oh, I love that song. Oh, man. He got to the line he sang, And to those who stand on empty shores and spit against the wind, and those who wait forever for ships that don't come in, hit me like a freight train. Because I, I could remember, well, I got home at tears my God, I'll say, I've teared up more than once over that song too. That was a world class song. Yeah, world class. I woke my wife up and I told her about this song of Joe's I'd heard, and I said, "You know, I appreciate the living I'm making, but I've dreamed bigger." And we set up and we came up with a plan to go to Nashville every six weeks for a year, 
would go up and do one of these industry showcases. Yeah. And then we'd wait two weeks to hear. Then we'd organize another one, send out invitations, do it again you know, every six weeks. We'd do that for a year and see if we could garner some attention. Once again, it's attention business. Yeah, but what a great, we, I mean, we, but how methodical and linear. You didn't say, oh, we're just going to move there. And and if it doesn't work, you were like, okay, every six weeks, and we're going to do that for a year. And we're, I mean, this is a very, this yeah. is a business plan. And if it, if it, if it didn't happen, if nothing happened in the, in the year's time, then we would, uh, we'd punt. We'd, we'd make Athens our, for sure, permanent home and, we, we we probably would have opened our, our own place, you know, and uh, but um, we did that. We we booked our first one. We we did Douglas Corner. It's a great little listening room in in Nashville, uh, kind of off the off the beaten path, but it's well known amongst the industry people. And uh, we sent out two hundred and fifty invitations. And that, and my phone number was on there, and all the information about how to get a hold of me, and and um, a guy named Herky Williams called me up that day, the day of the showcase, and um, wanted to go to lunch before we before the showcase, and I said sure, and so we we got together. He worked with Jimmy Bowen, who was the president of Capitol Records, and he kind of was very involved with running the publishing arm of Jimmy's business. And um, he had heard about me. Herky had heard about me from his sister who went to University of Georgia. And he had been in Athens to hear a band called the Normal Town Flyers, a great band, local band, fabulous band. And he came by to see them, and he had heard of me from his sister. And while he was in town to see the Flyers, he came by to see me twice that night, and there was a line down the street. Couldn't get in. So it kind of piqued his interest. And um, so when he got that invitation from me, he was all about it. He's anxious to come see us. So we, we went and had a bite to eat and stuff, and then we did the showcase that evening at Douglas Corner. We sent out those 250 invitations, like I said, and uh, he was the only one who showed up. Whoa, whoa, whoa. No, no, no. Let me let me back up here because I didn't know about these showcases. Number one, you sent out 250 invites and you're saying to record executives and movers and shakers. And then the showcase is just, is it six songs? Is it an hour? What do you, what do you do? Well, you, you do whatever you want to do. It's, it's a club, you know, you, you use hour, hour and a half set, whatever you want to do. Okay. I don't, I don't remember what we did. I guess we probably did a little over an hour. So it's not set aside just for you that night or for your guests that night. I mean, it's, it's, a no, open, it's an open bar. It's, yeah, it's an open club. Yeah. Open yeah. bar, open club. And the only, and, and would, do they call these guys A&R? Is that what they call them? Yeah. A&R guys. Yeah. Yeah. And is that, that the gentleman you were talking about, he was an A&R guy or he just. Well, he, 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 he did A&R sort of on the side. I'm not sure exactly what his, his legal description was if he had one, yeah. but he would, he would find songs and pair them with artists. Herky's got a great ear for hearing this song and this voice singing this song. Really? He's, he's got that talent. Yeah, he's a really, really good ear. He's a real good song guy. And as is Bowen. And um, and he, he just worked with Jimmy, and mainly they played golf together. But <laughs> they, 
a lot of music business too. Well, and, so, uh, so you played just a few songs. You played Raider set. Yeah, we played our set, and then afterward, and of course, you know, of that list of 250 people, he's the only one who showed up. There were some other people we knew there, uh, the locals that just would come there. Uh, there were a few folks from Athens that had migrated into Athens to Nashville who came to see us, you know. So there were some people to sing for. It wasn't like it was an empty room, but yeah. of that list of industry professionals, there were one guy. Wow. And um, and you knew the which one guy. Cool. You already had lunch with him. <laughs> yeah, but the cool thing about that was that I sounded the same there as when I played in, in Athens, so that was good. I was kind of concerned. I didn't know if I sound the same there as I did. Yeah. And uh, so afterwards, we went and got a bite to eat and with Herky and and all that. And then the next morning, he calls me up. He says, hey, Jimmy wants to have, have you come over for brunch. I said, dude, we're already back home in Athens. So we <laughs> left that night. After and uh, we don't want to get too far from the hub and stay gone too long. And uh, so, they end, so they ended up setting up a, a, a private showcase at one of the uh, production studios, you know, the rehearsal facilities. And uh, me and the guys went up and did a showcase for Bowen and um, the head of uh, CAA booking agency was there and David Corlew and Tom O'Grady, Corlew O'Grady management, they came and with, uh, with Herky's invitation and um, played six songs with me and the band. And after we got done, Bowen came up and he shook my hand, thanked me for coming. And we talked for a few minutes and, he said, well, son, I guess you came here looking for a record deal, didn't you? I said, yes, sir, I did. He said, uh, Corlew, you want to represent him? And Corlew looked at me, and I looked at him. I said, I'm in if you are. And uh, so he said, okay, Corlew, call me tomorrow. Let's put this deal together. And with that, he whisked out of the room, and I had a record deal. Unbelievable. How, and so, and don't I, give me – And what I didn't realize is at that time, it, we were spaghetti. There was a lot of spaghetti being thrown up against the wall and see who'd stick and who didn't. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, labels were doing that all day long. They were blowing through money, cutting dim, cutting records, which were really demos to see if this was going to work or not. Yeah. And uh, my first single came out and died at 38, 36. She's got a mind of her own. Second single came out, uh, Kiss Me in the Car. Uh, it died on the chart at 13. It got it hit Christmas. It hit the Christmas crunch, and if it's not a smoking hit record after Christmas, it's going to come off the chart. Really, and but everybody thinks it's the number one record because the I mean the response I get from it is like, wow, I love that song, you know. But that's what it was when it went to thirteen. Got some made you know, almost top ten, but um, then uh, Your Love Amazes Me came out, and if Your Love Amazes Me hadn't hit, I'd probably been that probably they cut me loose after that. Really, and. Uh, but it it uh it started inching up the charts, and uh, they had country radio seminar that that spring March of of ninety four, and um, I wasn't feeling real well. I was not eating a lot. I had headache, bad headaches, and I can remember being at country radio seminar that week, and um, it was kind of odd. I felt really odd. And then I played at the New Faces Showcase. And I, uh, Faith Hill sang at that. Tim McGraw sang at that. I uh, can't remember. There's a couple of other artists were, that were spaghetti that did not stick were on that. 
I did Kiss Me in the Car and something else. And I closed with Your Love Amazes Me with just my guitar. The band left the stage and I was doing And it place came unglued. And that was the beginning of that song, smoking on up the charts. And uh, it was number one record on May 10th of 1994 on R&R. And I had brain surgery that morning. And oh. uh, I don't recommend that, but it's a tough way to get a record, but and get a number one, but a guy's so, got to do what a guy's got to do. So you're referring, you, you, you just, for those of you who go to a, uh, a private engagement like this, do a private concert, get a, 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 a record deal, get it booked, gets thrown on the wall as spaghetti, as you say, and then, uh, have brain surgery the day that it tops the chart. That, so you don't recommend that the, you don't recommend the brain surgery or the top in the chart thing. Brain surgery, yeah. Unless you really need it, which a lot of folks do. And uh, Man. I had a keloid, had a keloid cyst in the third ventricle of my brain. It's about about the end, a little blister about that big, about the size of the end of your finger. But enough to make and you was, miserable. Well, it was in such a place that it it blocked the drainage of brain fluid, the protective fluid around the brain, that it continues to develop all the time and renew, mm-hmm. and refresh. Mm-hmm. And the excess drains down the spinal column into the body. Mm-hmm. Mine it, didn't drain out. It just it, kept building up. Yeah. And if it doesn't drain down that, yeah. Yeah. This builds up fluid and expands. And infants, it, 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 because the skull's not developed, the head starts to expand. And hydrocephalitis. Uh, uh, yeah. 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 That's it. Hydrocephalitis. Yeah. yeah. And but with me, it caused extreme headaches, loss of appetite, change of personality. Wow! My, my, see, and, the reason um, I know is because my dad had an instance with this too. So I'm familiar oh, really? exactly with what you're. No, no, he didn't have to have surgery for it. Good lord! But oh, man, really? wow. I, uh, yeah, they I, went in. They drilled two holes. I put a cage on my head, bolted it to my head, which I can still feel. On this side, pretty regularly, I can feel with that bolted in right here, and uh, a little bit on this side, but mainly this side. And these two up here don't bother me. Um, they drilled two holes right here and right here. Went in with a fiber optic camera and a laser beam, and located it, plotted a course to it, and zapped a hole in it. And uh, all the fluid drained out, and I woke up, and I was me again with a very bad short-term memory. <laughs> Which I still have. <laughs> it was tough, but uh, and uh, it was so. I, my my wife went being uh, my son Sean was born April twenty eighth of ninety four. Right. This was on May tenth of ninety four, and I had become a very different person. Um, she was pretty much. I didn't talk to her for weeks and weeks on end. The last trimester of her pregnancy, oh, didn't want anything to do with her. Um, I was very cruel. Oh, and uh, very mean, and uh, uh, probably people around that time, I was, my song was climbing the chart, uh, probably came across, across as very aloof and, you know. But it's, uh, mainly, most of us just, I didn't want to talk to anybody because I felt so bad. Man. And I, I went down to 137 pounds. Wow. Because I quit, quit eating, yeah. And, uh, but anyway, so... Um, well, health is a delicate balance. Oh yeah, you know. So, I mean, it, and if you if you don't have it, I don't have to explain that to you. If you have it, ah, uh, yeah, yeah, it's okay. If you if you haven't had it, 
But so my wife went being from from pretty much being abandoned to having to be my nurse. And uh, well, I mean, so, after the surgery, how long did it take for your personality to reoccur? Uh, when I woke up, really? When I woke up, I was me again. I bet she was relieved, huh? I mean, she didn't know what was going to happen. No, she no, she had no idea, and it, she wasn't relieved. She was. Um, doubtful I, I can imagine why couldn't you yeah so how, how long how long had y'all been together before that john um say six years really so, so, so i mean yeah. she had a good feel for your personality who you were what you were like and then you just changed yeah. wow completely wow 180 so so give me give me We've had the five mile high view. And if you don't mind, yeah. give me the 500 feet high. Your love amazes me went from, Hey, that's a great song to my personality changes. So I'm back and your love still amazes me. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that when I sing that song, I have to think about her, that her love does amaze me, amaze me because she held through, she held on somehow through all that. And, mm -hmm. uh, uh, that was pretty, pretty amazing. Yeah. So. And, and it's certain types of people that see that. Let's just get through this. Let's go through this. I have faith. He'll be who he was when he comes back. I hope. Knock wood, you know, I, and I'm, I'm sure that was a yeah. low point. Yeah, it was pretty tough. Yeah, it was pretty tough. Best of times, worst of times kind of thing, right? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it, so, was mainly, mainly the worst. it was mainly the worst of times. No, oh, man. So. And and no reoccurrences and was, since everything's been been okay. No, um, I've been for no, I've, I've been for checkups. Went for checkups for years, and then I went to. I had some headaches. I was actually back home in Athens, Georgia, and it was just happening. Just a weird headache, and I went and had a checkup, and and they decided to do a a, a CAT scan, and uh, uh, the technician we got done. He said, it "Looks like you have a keloid cyst." And I said, no, I had a keloid cyst back in 1994. And he said, mm, no, it looks like you've got a keloid cyst. And uh, so I got an appointment to see a neurologist here in Nashville, and they verified I do have a keloid cyst. It is back. It is there. But like she said, she said it took 35 years to develop last time. Yeah. She said, we're just going to do a check. We're just going to keep a watch on it every you know, five years and see if it grows. And she said, we know exactly how big it is right now. We'll do a checkup in five years and see if it's developed anymore. Yeah. In the meantime, if you start having some extreme headaches, loss of appetite and change of personality, let me know. <laughs> <laughs> you were like, I, I've, I, I know this drill. I've seen this routine. I'm there. I've got it. I've got yeah. it. As a, as a, as a yeah. doctor told my mom who was 75 and divide, had a, a, a cancer on her kidney. And she's a very thin lady and you could actually palpate it and you could feel the tumor on her kidney. And as he took the tumor out and as he explained it to her, he said, you're going to die of something, but it won't be this. <laughs> it took, yeah. it's taken 75 years for it to develop. You're probably not going to live to 150. You'll probably be okay. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Well, I, on on yeah. behalf of my wife, I know, I know what I have to ask now. Tell me about, a long-haired country boy. 
Oh man. Oh man. She's, I yeah, can't okay. wait for this story. And I, people, the, the, those of you who watch every week, I have no idea. I don't know the story, but I'm dying to hear working with Charlie Daniels had had got to be one of the highlights of your life. Well, David Corlew has been with, he started working with Charlie Daniels as Charlie's t-shirt sales guy. <laughs> and then end up, ended up being his manager. And then they formed Corlew O'Grady Management with Tom O'Grady. And uh, that's who I, that's that, that David signed me to be at management. And they came to that showcase I did for Jimmy Bowen. And, oh. and uh, so I signed with him. So I got to um, to meet Charlie and get to know him a little. And, and uh, just a terrific guy. And um, we were, they were doing something and had some plans being made and, they were doing some recuts on some of Charlie's songs. You know, he has a great little recording studio out at, at Twin Pines Farm. Mm-hmm. And uh, they did all his records out there and uh, in recent years. And they, uh, he said, he said, uh, he said, son, hey, son, <laughs> son, how about coming and singing with me and how catch him? We'll do long. We're going to do a remake of Long Hair Country Boy. And, That'd be a lot of fun to have have you join me and Hal. So I thought that was a real treat. So uh, we did we shot it out there in, in the studio, recorded it at the studio there, and and then uh, shot the video at, at the farm there on the porch and 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 in the studio as well. And we had a lot of fun. It was a it was a great day, and it looks the video. I watched the video not too long back, and it looks like we're having a lot of fun because we were. Yeah, I mean, it was just a a real treat to to hang out with both of those men. I mean, and of course now they're both gone, which is yeah. so sad well, to me, but Charlie passed a year. But we have ago. a, we have a podcast, faith, family, and friends. That's it's on hiatus this year. We're going to hopefully pick it back up at the end of this year and get it going. My wife and I do it. And it's basically, we talk with artists about how their faith, their family and their friends have influenced their lives and their careers. And, we we did Charlie Daniels and he died four days later. Oh well, I was going to say uh, he passed from COVID or during the COVID era, uh, and he died. It was during the COVID days. era. It was not COVID, but um, yeah. but he um, he talked about being in heaven four times in the first nineteen minutes. Really, something he had been given some thought to. Yeah, yeah. First yeah. thing, man. There's this thing he talks about. He said the first thing I'm going to do. When I'm in heaven, the first thing I'm going to do is, is I'm going to touch everybody's face. I'm going to go, I'm going to visit all those souls that I've missed so much of my life that have been gone. I'm going to go touch everybody's face. Sweet. I got chills. <laughs> I bet. So, I bet. Yeah. I'll tell you what, let, let, let's, let's spin just for a second. Where can we find it? I mean, I'm assuming the old episodes, Faith, Family, and Friends. Is that correct? Yeah, it was a, it was a subscription podcast. But what we're what we're trying to gear it up for this year is to open it up is because we closed it, put it on hiatus for a, a year, and we're going to put it back out as a free podcast. So we're going to start recording episodes hopefully um, later this year and build up our uh, our catalog. Yes. And so we'll take the old podcast because we originally because there are there is discussion about COVID and the lockdown. Matter of fact, the first the very first episode we're talking about it. It's a, I was listening to it the other day, and and you hear me say, I've been in the house for two weeks. Two weeks I've been in this house. <laughs> and here here we are 
two years later. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And uh, it's crazy. So we're thinking about editing all that out. And then I'm thinking, no, we can't because we need to remember what it was like. And, and because we talk about COVID and, and, and the effects it had and, and it was having at the time. And uh, just need to, I think people will hear it in order to remind them what it was like, you know, because it's weird time. So. I, saw an, I saw an article the other day. It talked about what we did before digital photography. And I thought, okay, <laughs> well, you know, think about that. You know? And I thought, what's the deal? And they had a picture. Uh, they had an old um, Polaroid-ish. You remember how the photos used to be square? They were like three by three. Remember that? Right. And yeah. uh, they had a photo of Dolly Parton in a little dress. And she was between 12 and 14. It was foggy. It was underexposed. It was gray. It wasn't that great a photo, but it was a photo. And it was a time marker of a huge, huge, huge person and a huge personality. And, you know, the, the article goes on to mention it. It talks about, you know, would you rather have not had this instant captured? Because if it was a digital photography, we might have just deleted that photo and not thought anything about it. Never had a copy of it. But nowadays, right. and, and you know, I, I'm with you. I recorded during the COVID period, too. And we're like, well, I'd like to kind of cut some of that out. And no, it was it was intrinsic to what was going on. Right. You you couldn't understand yeah. that time unless you understood what was happening with COVID. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Don't 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 edit the picture. <laughs> you know, let, let, let the picture speak for itself. And, and the same thing. That's what we're going to. Uh, reissue the the podcast, make it a public podcast, and and as it was, and uh, um, so it'll be interesting to see how people respond to it. But it was it's fun. We just it's just me. And, it started off with just me and my wife sitting at, at the old kitchen table that's upstairs in our our family room now, and, and uh, just sit chatting about what's going on with our lives. And then we started inviting friends to join us at that time via um, telephone. Oh, really? And then we started having people come here and. And uh, to come to our home and visit with us, and and um, and when we could, we would have artists with their spouses. So, which was a lot of fun. Cool. Well, and I, I'm going to guess, and we're going to find more about this. Hang on, we're going to find more about this after we buy tickets at hsvticketsales.com. That's ticketsalesplural.com, and we're going to buy tickets for February the 16th with Mr. John Barry. <laughs> And I, oh goodness, I've got to check real quick here. Hang on. I had that. And it's at the Coronado Center. I'm trying to see here. Uh, general admission, they're $35 for one ticket uh, at the Woodlands, at the Woodlands. Great location. You will love that facility. Uh, but what other songs do you think we would hear that night? Oh, we'll do any of the songs that we played on the radio and. Uh, anything, any of the songs we had, uh, Stand on the Edge of Goodbye, Kiss Me in the Car, Your Love Amazes Me, You and Only You. Um, we've got a, a couple of albums that we've had released over the past few years that people may not know the songs, but uh, I think they're going to like them. We, we did an al- I did an album called What I Love the Most, which is 10 songs about my wife. And uh, <laughs> But there's a couple of songs on that record. We're going to do a song called What a Woman Wants. Oh. That my wife, it's my, it's my favorite song that, my, that I've written. That my wife, my wife's favorite song that I've written. Um, she always tells the audience, she says, "Guys, take notes, <laughs> take notes on this song right here." <laughs> <laughs> and uh, then there's a, a, a sweet song that I wrote for her off that record called uh, um, um, uh, "It's Not What a Woman Wants." This other one, um, 
there could never be another love for me but you. And uh, I, I tell the guys, I said, if you ever want to write your wife a song, take some ideas from this one. Don't steal my song, but take some ideas from this one. And there's probably some sugar in your future. There may be some sugar just, in your future. I like that. I'm just I like saying, that. Yeah. <laughs> you sound like a guy like myself that overmarried significantly, but that's just my opinion. Is that my? Is yeah. that the right the ballpark? Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure. I overmarried. I married up. Married up. <laughs> well, tell me this. What? And, and I've got. I literally have a million questions, but I want to be considerate of your time. I know we need to wind down here real quick, but. T- I was going to say, what does it take to write a great write a great song? And it takes great motivation. Is that it? A mo- some, uh, like for an example with your wife, I mean, it's easy to write about something you're nuts about, right? Yeah, it, it, it's just a matter of inspiration and the right environment. And for me, the right people to write with. I'm not a, a good solo writer. I've written a lot of songs by myself and they pretty much suck. <laughs> and uh, so I've been, I mean, I've got albums and albums of early records of horrible songs. And that could have been good if I had a good writer, co-writer, someone who knew what they were doing. And um, a matter of fact, I even thought about going back here at the latter part of my career and maybe re-recording those songs, do the songwriter version albums. And I listened to them. I go, no, they're horrible. Why would I want anybody to hear these? So so I'm just going to uh, let them go to their quiet little song grave to their quiet resting place right yeah quiet resting place and never be heard well so i i I joke because there's some people that um we we actually found a box of my first album humble beginnings i don't know if you can see a white cover back here but uh, that's my first album came out in 1979 and uh we found a box of them unopened so we ended up having them available in our, our store, that one, and another one called Waiting for You, which is my third. We found a half a box of those, and people purchased them. <laughs> I jokingly put a disclaimer in there and said that you, you in purchasing this album, you refuse to listen to it just to have it as a, a memento. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was uh, I think it was Jerry Sally and he, and the trio that came through here the other day and he made note if you bought one of their CDs and you didn't like it and you sent it back they would send you a CD they didn't like too just to just to make it even. <laughs> <laughs> oh Jerry, he's a good guy. <clears throat> he is a great guy. We uh, uh, and once again let me tie this back into Larry Wilson the Lifelong Learning Institute which is hsvlli.org which is putting on this concert on the on the 16th. Uh, Larry has introduced us to some fantastic people and Jerry's one of them. I consider him a great friend. Now he's a wonderful, wonderful guy. Uh, I want to go back one last question. I'll ask the question. I promise I'll shut up and then we'll be done. I want to hear how you met your wife. Oh, wow. How about that? Um, It was, uh, it was uh, spring of 84, I guess. I want to say it's 84. Um, my bass player, Michael, who is still playing bass with me, um, we're playing at a little club in Athens, Georgia, called Rappers. Um, not like in rap music, you know, because there, there wasn't rap music in 1984. It was called Rappers because it was in the basement of the old Davison's building, downtown Athens, where the gift wrapping department was. So they called it Rappers horrible name 
it says since closed and it be, and and it, it became a strip club. So we, we jokingly called it unwrappers. We won't go there. Um, but, but so Michael and I were playing this little club, and we ended up playing that club for two two years. Um, I got booked there for three weeks over a five week period. By the end of our second week playing there, they had booked us. This was in spring of '84. They booked us for the whole summer. By midsummer, they booked us for the entire next school year. So we had a good thing going. Mm-hmm. But my second week playing there, these two girls came in with their dates and sat at the table right in front of me. It's a it's like a brass and fern bar, you know. Remember those? A lot of brass rails and fern hanging. Oh, and, you know. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Kind of like oh, yeah, a yeah, Friday's yeah. Or- uh, uh, what they call it, antiqued bronze and, and everything. And there was a there was yeah. a ficus tree, a fake ficus tree in the corner, that kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. And uh so we're playing this club, and these two girls and their dates sit at the table right in front of me. Right there. And I knew exactly what songs to to play to bore those two boys to death. So they go in the back and shoot pool. One of them girls was really cute. And they did. And I moved in and I sat down next to this pretty girl and I said, when are we getting married? First time you met her. First time I met her. Yeah. And she looked at me and she's like, you're talking to the hand. She had no way. She didn't want to talk to me. It took me two years to get a date. But she was funny, though. I'd see her come in the club, and, and, and I didn't know it, but it was her mom that was with her. I knew it was an older lady. I didn't know it was her mom. Yeah. And uh, uh, so they would come. She'd bring her mom to see me play. And then before we got finished, they'd leave. You know, She didn't have to talk to me. So. <laughs> and uh, but, so, but she but, kept uh, coming back, if you make note. Yeah. And then finally got a date, and then we um, – it was uh, – let me see. 1987. New Year's Eve, 87, 88. I went to the jewelry store and bought a little diamond ring. And I told the guy, uh, I asked him, if I buy this, if things don't work out, can I bring this back tomorrow? <laughs> he said, There's yeah, confidence, John. That's confidence, buddy. Oh, yeah. Well, I told him, I said, look, I'm really just trying to get her attention. That's really all I'm trying to do. Yeah. It's, it's an attention business, you know. And, uh, so New Year's Eve, she cooked dinner for us at her mama's house, just for just two of us. And after dinner, uh, she could tell I was nervous about something. And she thought I was going to ask her just to be my girl, us just to go steady. We'd spent all Christmas break together. She, Because she was at college about 60 miles away. Yeah, She'd come home on the weekends sometimes. And she really got tired of me. I was going to drive her crazy. She was actually coming home from college Christmas break to let me know we were done. She didn't want to see me anymore. And then we ended up spending every day hanging out and had a blast. So, and, uh, and so New Year's Eve, I asked her to marry me and she came unglued and, she, and, and I got a big, maybe <laughs> she had to think about this. She wasn't expecting that. She said, maybe. <laughs> and of course I did take the diamond back cause it wasn't nearly big enough. So, uh, but we fixed that. And, uh, because I didn't know what I was buying. I've never bought a diamond ring for an engagement before, so I didn't know what I was looking at. So. Last time you did this was never. Yeah. And uh, so we ended up getting engaged. Uh, that I guess by February we were full-on engaged, and 
then we got married in June. So uh, I'm sorry, July. Uh, so it was in July of 88. So the moral of the story here to find the right woman is persistence. That's what I heard, John. Persistence works for everything. <laughs> Even don't, in the music business. Don't quit. <laughs> don't quit. <laughs> John, I'm, not my friend, I will be there at 730. I'll be there probably seven o'clock at the Woodlands, February the 16th with my lovely wife, who I want to introduce you to. And buddy, I'm really looking forward to it. It has been a delight. I look forward to being there. And uh, um, I'm excited to be there. I've heard so much about that area. My uh, my son, Sean, lives south of you. I guess it's pretty well south, uh, southwest uh, in East Texas. They live, they, they live uh, like near, that. Yeah. They, they live near Tyler. Oh, gorgeous, gorgeous. Uh, Longview, Tyler, that area. And his father-in-law, they love to come up to that area to vacation. Uh, the lakes up there, and and uh, he said there's some, well, they, he said they call them cabins and they're daggone mansions. <laughs> and uh, But he said they, they always come up and rent a cabin on the lake and, and uh, have a great time, and they're really trying to get us to come up there and, and do this. So they're coming up from Texas to be with us. So it'll be fun to to see them and my, my son and his wife and our granddaughter, they're going to come. And so we'll get to see all of them on the 16th and that'd be fun. Well, but I've heard a lot about it here. Really beautiful. It, it really is. And one of the things that we comment here, we've got Airbnbs here on the lake. And one of our comments is we love seeing families make great memories. Doesn't get any simpler yeah. or harder than that. That's as simple as it gets. Right. I mean, yeah. and, and hopefully you'll make a great, great memory with your, your sweetheart, wife and, or all the above. February the 16th, yeah. 7.30 at the Woodlands. John, great seeing you. I hope folks will come be with us. Promise. Talk to you soon, buddy. What the world needs now Is love, sweet love It's the only thing That there's just too little love What the world needs now is love sweet love no not just for some but for everyone Lord we don't need another mountain there are mountains and hillsides enough to climb and there Enough to cross, enough to last till the end of time. What the world needs now is love, sweet love. It's the only thing that there's just too little love. What the world? Needs now is love, sweet love. No, not just for some, but for everyone. Lord, we don't need another meadow. There are cornfields and wheat fields enough to grow. Enough to grow. 
needs now is love sweet love could that be more true if you've heard some familiar voices in there that was Burt Bacharach Martina McBride Rod Stewart James Taylor and Dion Warwick the original singer of the song it was remastered in 2018 kind of goes with our Valentine's Day love theme Thank you for joining us here on Hot Springs Village Inside Out Radio Edition. It has been a pleasure. I hope you come out and see Mr. John this next week. You will not be disappointed. Hot Springs Village Inside Out Radio Edition brought to you here on KVRE. Last night I had a crazy dream Wish was granted just for me It could be for anything I did 
didn't ask for money or a mansion in Malibu. I simply wished for one more day with you. One more day, one more time, one more sunset, maybe I'd be satisfied. But then again, I know what it would do. Leave me wishing still for one more day. Maybe I'd be satisfied 